This is Carrie Sealy, and welcome to the first ever full episode of Create This Life podcast. I am here with Mandy, and you're going to have to say your last name again because I've already forgotten it. Ozemic. Ozemic. Um, she is, um, let's call her a badass lady runner that I want to be someday. Um, and so we're going to be talking today about her um, her her, I guess her ultra running, um, and then how she has kind of turned that love of ultra running into a business dealing with health and nutrition. Um, so, um, let's talk about your history with running. Were you one of those people that was always a runner? Did you run as a kid, running family, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, no is the (laughs) short answer. Not really. Um, we were active as a family. I remember hiking and camping and being outside a lot as a kid. Um, but up until junior high, I never played any organized sports. Um, I was on an expansion softball team, which is the team that, uh, the kids that aren't all that great make. (laughs) Better than I did. (laughs) Uh, So I was active, but I, I wasn't into, um, anything specific other than, other than softball. I started running. Um, somewhere around 2007, um, when I joined the corporate workforce, I realized that I was sitting a lot more than mm-hmm. what I was used yes. to. I wasn't walking <laughs> back and forth to class, you know, burning off all those extra pizza calories. Um, so I started in corporate at Walmart and was somehow connected with John and Lori Turlow, okay. who told me about this guy who was opening a running shop and had all of these free running groups and running events. Um, so that was kind of my introduction to Mike Rush and Rush Running. Um, when I looked back, I looked at my um, athletes this morning and was trying to figure out what was the first event that I did because mm-hmm. I didn't remember. The first one that I can see on athletes was Chicks and Chili around 2008, okay. I think. Uh, which is now known as Girls on the Run. Oh, okay. So yeah. kind of my first What was the intro. distance for that? It was a 5K. A 5K. Mm-hmm. So for and people that don't know what that is, that's 3.1. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like, I think it's everybody's kind of start. Once you get past the first mile, it's kind of everybody's starter drug when it comes to racing. It's like, you know, oh, if I can get to a 5K, life will be great. Um, so did you start with a training program or did Mike have a training program? Or did you just like, I'm just going to run and see what happens? Back then, I think it was a let's run and see what happens, and I was one of those runners. It was like, I'm going to go as fast as I can <laughs> until I can't go any faster. And then and, I'll throw up and I'll do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty much how I went about it. And Mike was really good to get me slowing down a yes. little bit. Uh, we talked about, you know, run at a conversational pace, mm-hmm. and that's different for everybody. So, you know, you should be able to talk to somebody yeah. and not feel like you're dying. Yes. So my best friend and I, when we used to, we trained for a couple of half marathons together and we had, we each had a job. Her job was to talk. My job was to make sure we didn't get lost and occasionally say one word answers yeah. back to her. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, I'm not super. And I think it's because I do run by myself most of the time. Mm. I'm not super practiced at running and talking. I think if I did it more, I think I'd be fine. Cause I'm not like out of breath. I'm not dying. Um, but I think I just, I'm not. I mean, I talk to myself, occasionally talk to a podcast when I'm like in the middle of the woods and be like, I know the answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're talking to absolutely nobody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my mantra in the woods lately has become, uh, don't become a podcast. I listen to true crime oh, all the time. And so I'm out in the middle of nowhere and I'm thinking, okay, the last thing I listened to was about a girl that was kidnapped from a trail. Oh, crap. So it's, it's don't become a podcast. Yes. And here I am on a podcast. <laughs> on a podcast. Yay. 
<laughs> at least it's not a true crime broadcast. This is true. <laughs> so do you run, it's not on my list, but do you run with any kind of protection or do you, I mean, I've seen a lot of people starting to run with their conceal and carry handguns. And I was like, that seems like a little much and a little extra weight, but what do you use? Yeah, to each their own. I don't run with a handgun. Um, I do a couple things. I typically will tell my husband or someone else, mm-hmm. hey, this is where I'm going. This is about the route I'm going to take. Um, I always carry my phone. Yes. Uh, it may not be um, on to where you can call me. I may have it on airplane mode, but I do have it there. Um, and every now and then, if it's a super long run, I'll check in. I usually text my husband or some friends, hey, I'm at mile you know, XYZ. Yeah. This is where I am. Um, and every now and then, I'll carry pepper spray, depending on where I'm going to be. If yeah. it's an area that's familiar or not familiar. Yeah. So I run the back 40 a lot because it's literally like the bottom of our driveway is where the black 40 crosses over, like from Blowing Springs. Okay. Like literally from my doorstep to Blowing Springs is... 0.4 miles. Oh, jealous. So it's great. Yeah. So I go down and I'm always just telling my husband whether I, when I get to the road, if I'm going right or if I'm going left. Mm-hmm. And that way he kind of knows. And on long runs, I do the same thing. I check in. A lot of times if I know it's going to be like a really long, like, you know, 15, 18, 20 miler, I'll set up an aid station at my car. And every time I hit the aid station, I'll just be like, Hey, check in number two, three. Cause I mean, when I first when I trained for my first marathon, I remember being like, someone could kidnap me. And he's not expecting me home for like, you know, four or five hours. I could be like two states away and he wouldn't know I had been kidnapped. So that's when I really got to, you know, being like that. And we had that weird guy in. It wasn't on the back 40. It was over like on one of the other walking trails in Bella Vista. Mm-hmm. And like some guy tried to kidnap a lady on the trail. Mm-hmm. I had like four different people send me that article. And I was like, yeah, I don't need to know. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so, and I do have a mace. So I have, um. It's pretty handy. So it's from, oh, what's the brand? Damsel in Defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a little thing called, it's a stupid name. It's called Lil Hot Hands. Okay. And it's a glove, but it only fits like right here. And so the pepper spray just sits right in, like right in your palm, basically. Mm-hmm. And so that way you've got it ready, but you're not actually having to hold on to anything. You're not having to unclip it from anything. Um, and it's not like a full glove where your hand's going to get all sweaty and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I try to remember it. I don't always remember to take it with me, and I get in trouble for that a lot. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's like, but if you're going on a long run, you're like, oh, one more thing to remember. I was like, I already got my hydration pack. I got my fuel. And then once you're out there and you forget it, I'm like, I'm not going back for it. Oh, no. <laughs> I was no, like, I'm definitely. already out there. It'll be fine. <laughs> Y'all can't see, but she has got the cutest little puppy sitting on her lap taking a nap. She's 12 weeks old. What's the breed again? Yeah, this is River, and she is a Hungarian Vishala puppy. Uh, she is bred to be a hunting dog. However, the reason that I got her was actually because they are great endurance athletes. Oh, there so you go. So we have a running run puppy run. in the making. Yeah, so she will be um, my pepper spray eventually <laughs> yes. when she gets a little And older. I've heard a lot of people say that that's why they run with dogs. It's like no one's ever, you've never heard of a woman attacked when she's running with a dog. So I, th- I think it's a good deterrent. Um, this breed is actually really gentle. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't hurt a fly, um, but nobody knows that. Yeah. So... Be like, hey, you know what? If she barks loud enough, it'll scary. Mm-hmm. Bark and scream. <laughs> for sure. All right. So you started, what, 2007-ish. Um, so at the time you started, not really a runner, so maybe had run like 
that mile that we're all forced to run in high school, maybe something like that. So then you went from that to three to, you know, three miles. So did you do the stair step up or were you one of those people like, oh, I did a 5k, let's do a half, let's do a full, or, or did you kind of do the baby steps? What was kind of your progression? I jumped around a little bit. Um, I remember doing the 5Ks and the 10Ks. Um, the first half marathon that I remember doing was uh, when Walmart actually sponsored what's now the, the Bentonville Half Marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that. And then I just started finding new ways to challenge myself. Um, I had some friends who got into triathlon. Uh, okay. They slowly got me. Um, <laughs> Darn those friends. Yes. They always do that, don't always they? Always the pure pressure. <laughs> They got me into triathlon, um, and so I would run, and I, I called myself a social triathlete. Um, I wasn't exceptional at it, but mm-hmm. I didn't completely suck. I had fun. Yes. A lot of fun. What um, was your favorite, like, out of the three, what was your least favorite, and what was your favorite favorite? My favorite favorite was running. Running. Absolutely. <laughs> um, my least favorite was probably the swim, okay. uh, because it starts, and it's cold, and nobody mm-hmm. wants to put their face yeah. in the dark water and get <laughs> kicked in the head. <laughs> Um, so then the second favorite by default becomes the bike, the bike. which again, I wasn't any good at, um, <laughs> but you had to bike to be able to run. Yeah. And so you had to get yourself there somehow. Mm-hmm. What's so triathlon? Did you do any kind of like half Ironman, full Ironman? Mm-hmm. I did uh four half Ironman distances. Okay. Uh, two were in Oklahoma city. One was in California and one was in Indiana. Um, all very fun. Had a really good time. Uh, and then it was kind of like, okay, well, what's the next thing? Do mm-hmm. I want to do a full Ironman? Do yes. I want to find I've heard something those are else? Intense. <laughs> never, never done a full. I, do you have the desire to? Or some people just look at it and go, I have no desire to do more than this. After knowing the training it takes to do a half, mm-hmm. full, half Ironman, they're like, no, we're good. That's as big as I'm going. <laughs> I think eventually I will do a full. Um, kind of the transition from triathlon into ultra running mm-hmm. actually happened because I was traveling a lot for work okay. and it became more and more difficult to find a pool. Yeah. To, that makes sense. You couldn't really travel with your bike. Um, and it was something that was very specific, very specialized to the athletes. So yeah. it wasn't like, Oh, let's go find a free ride and, and jump on a spin yes, bike. That's not the kind of bike you need for what you're working on. <laughs> no. So running kind of became just this I'll call it a lazy default. I didn't have to bring anything other than you know running shoes and yeah. a, a, a run watch and don't even technically need that. Yeah. So I could run anywhere in almost any condition. It just became the easy go-to. Yeah, it does. Def- does definitely. Especially nowadays, there's so it's so much more accessible with the you know with public parks and public mm. trails and how they're you know almost most cities now have some kind of place where you would for the most part, feel safe to go, all right, let's go run. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, it's nice, and it's there's been this, definitely this boom. It's kind of interesting to watch the numbers of how, like, over the last, say, 10 years, trail running, but ultras in general, have just had this, like, huge, just steady increase of the number of actual races and the number of actual participants and the number of women who are starting to mm-hmm. actually participate um, has been really awesome. I mean, we're still at like, I don't know, what, 40%, 30% of finishers or something like that when it comes to ultras. Um, but I think that's, you know, kind of indicative of us just being, feeling too guilty to like go and do something for ourselves or something. I don't know. <laughs> I can't speak to that. I've never felt really guilty about doing things for myself. Maybe that's selfish, but 
No, I think it's great. I think too often we're like, you know, I have to take care of my house. If I have a job, they have to come first. And mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, I, we hear a lot about either mom guilt or just guilt of women in general of like this stereotype of who we're supposed to be, you know, and, oh, you can't do something for yourself because that's selfish. No, mm-hmm. it makes me a better person than all this other stuff that I have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I've definitely had to learn is taking time. And, but it's okay. The kids are going to live you know, daddy can make them a sandwich. Daddy can make his own dang sandwich. He will be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think that's definitely been something I've definitely had to learn over my kind of running. It's a, it's an interesting balance. So I, again, I'm firmly in the camp of, I can't take care of others unless I'm the best version of myself. Yeah. But with, so with ultra running specifically, it's hard and it can appear very selfish when mm-hmm. you disappear for a 30, 20 weekend. So not only are you gone most of the day, but for me, my, my weekend is Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Other people will, you know, put those back to backs in and different days when it works for yeah. them. But you know, if you're gone all day Saturday and when you do come back, you're pretty dadgum tired. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't talk to me. Don't mm-hmm. do, just don't. <laughs> you do it again on Sunday. It can mm-hmm. cut into your social time. It can cut into yeah. you know the time with your spouse or your partner. It it's a balance, and for me, it's been really good that I have a very supportive husband who we we communicate well and always we, important. Mm-hmm, yes, we talk about. Hey, what's the schedule look like? What does your weekend look like? What does his weekend look like? Yeah. And there have been times... <laughs> Do you need me for anything? <laughs> yes. Or we'll flip-flop days or weeks or maybe my long run turns into a Friday, Saturday or a mm-hmm. Thursday, Friday. Yeah. I've also got a great coach um, who is really good to help me balance. Hey, this is, this is another way that we can skin the cat. This is yeah. another way we can get the same end result. Okay. Um, but maybe we didn't follow the original plan. Yeah. So lots be. of different ways. So is your to husband get a runner? I don't even know. He's not. He okay. is a golfer. Uh, okay. He loves to golf. He does run. Um, he is one of those guys that doesn't love to train, <laughs> but loves to win. Yeah. That sounds like my husband. Mm-hmm. So he'll go out and he will, he'll go run 10 miles with mm-hmm. me. And then I'll get up the next day and be fine, and he won't walk. Because <laughs> um, he hasn't done it in months and uh-huh. months and months. That he sounds is. like my husband. Yeah. But he's getting better about, um, I think, the discipline of training. Yes. He wanted a new Garmin watch for Christmas, so he got that. Um, he's paced me for uh, one of my ultra events, and he's going to pace me for another one. Um, he takes he takes the middle miles. He doesn't want the deep overnight where you yes. know, you're a wreck, and he doesn't want the super easy. So he'll take the middle slots. <laughs> That's funny. Mm-hmm. So we're working. I told my husband I want him to pace me. Probably maybe the last twenty. I don't know. We'll see of mine. And so I was like, I was like, I was like, you know, but he hasn't run in months, mm-hmm. and so it's like you know you're gonna have to eventually hit the trail because he's so he has the idea he has never wanted to run over a half marathon okay and I was like um you've promised to pace me for 20 miles you got to get on the trails at some Mm -hmm. point buddy because I was like I'm not gonna be the one dragging you at the end of my 100 miler you're supposed to be there to drag me yeah (laughs) my strategy around placing my pacers was a little bit different Mm -hmm. um I actually told my husband I didn't want him pacing at the end I want him at the finish line so that I know that I'm running to him. That makes sense. Yeah, that's good. And I was also concerned that when I can't think for myself, when I'm tired and frustrated, I need someone who I'm probably less opt to argue with <laughs> and more inclined to just say, okay. okay. And I also wanted someone who has 
done an ultra, who knows what I'm feeling, who can yeah, really been relate, there, done that. and who I knew if, if he or she said, eat this, drink this, do this, yes, that ma'am. I was less yes, asked sir. to question and say, you don't know. Yeah, you know? that's the way I, I could definitely see that because I could look mm-hmm. at my husband and be like, probably saying some bad words because I'm tired and probably hungry mm-hmm. <laughs> and being like, you don't even know. And I might ruin our marriage. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Last thing I want <laughs> is a hundred mile buckle and a divorce. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's like they had that meme one time that was like very controversial. It said, um, if you're still married after training for an Ironman, you didn't train hard enough. Mm-hmm. And there's some people that were so offended by it. And some people were like, you get it. It's a joke. It takes, a- the joke is it takes a lot to train for an Ironman. Mm-hmm. It's a- sacrifice for both for both the runner and the runner's family for sure yeah it definitely is that's what I was like this might be a one and done thing for me I was like even I haven't even reached anywhere near peak mileage and I'm already like how do people do this but they have jobs they have kids and I'm like it's just a lot of work mm-hmm. um so I have your ultra sign up that I actually printed out so it looks like your first one that falls but I know it's not your first one but one the first one that comes up here is Actually, the War Eagle 50K in 2014. But you said you did an ultra before that, right? I guess that's not an ultra. But did you do any ultras before 2014? Or is that kind of when you made that transition? I don't remember doing a 50K in 14. I may have. I've looked back at quite uh, a few. Or it's a 25K. 25K. That yes. would have been my very first trail race in okay. 2014. Um, I did that with a, a good friend and training partner. And we had never run trails before. But we thought. So did you would... train on trails, or no. you were just like, it's got to be no. the same? Mm-hmm. And I did that. Did that was the first. I did that one this past year, and so there's some hills out there. <laughs> there are hills, and uh, it's set in the middle of the summer in mm-hmm. Arkansas, so it's hot and humid, and yep. it's a lot of fun, and it sucks. It was at the super same fun. Time. It was it was sucky super fun. <laughs> yeah. That one, we did not train on trails. I thought if I could run 25k on the road, I would translate it right over to trails. And I struggled to get in and out of my car for the next few days. I was like, how did that work for you? So mm-hmm. your time was a 420, which is good. I mean, I th- and then the next year you dropped it to under four hours. So apparently the next year you had started running on trails, it would appear. I think I got a <laughs> little Did you smarter. learn your lesson? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We started training uh, for what the event was going to be. I think the first, so I looked them up as well. We may have used different sites. The first ultra that I remember doing was, it was War Eagle. Okay. I believe it was 2018. So around late 2017, I decided that I was going to run my first 50 miler, mm-hmm. which was American River 50. Yeah. That one shows up on ultra sign up in, let's see. Yeah. April, 2018. Mm-hmm. So where is, okay. That's the one that's in California. Yeah, okay. That's Northern California. So hilly, flat, what you're used to around here or. Um, it's, it's a combination of, of hills and that one actually had some paved road. Okay. Uh, there's a section of that that actually overlaps with the Western States run. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, it was hilly. And the challenge with that race was California is typically in a drought. Mm-hmm. They had had tremendous flooding. Of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're going there. Yeah. That race was, uh, I had never seen mud like I saw at that race. Was it like the mud where you just squished or the mud where you squished and then it stuck to your shoes and then made your shoes feel like it was like 5,000 pounds? Mm-hmm. It was hey, that one. God. Yes. Yes. 
Yeah, I think we had mud PTSD for about a, uh, yep. a month or two afterwards. I did my first full tough mudder back in October of last year in Dallas. We had that's what it was. It was mud and it would stick to your shoes, and then you couldn't run in between the obstacles because it was raining and it had rained for like two weeks, and your shoes weighed five million pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I ended up I have I wear contacts, and I ended up getting scratching my corneas because we had so much mud, and I kept wiping my eyes. The next day, I couldn't even drive us home. The person I was with had to drive us home because the sun was just like daggers in my eyes. Mm. I was like, this sucks. But yes, so I know exactly the sticky mud you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was your transition into ultras. So let's see, you did a, a 50 miler, a 50K, a 55K. Ooh, in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So was that different from, I mean, was it flatter? It seems like it would be really rocky or and dry and hot. Arizona <laughs> was a four letter word. <laughs> Uh, and it wasn't what you think. We It was sand. So oh, okay. Did we, you wear gaiters on your shoes? Mm-hmm. Okay. We ran an Antelope Canyon, uh, and I actually got gaiters that were specific for sand. Okay. So I didn't even know there were different kinds of gaiters. Mm-hmm. It goes over your entire shoe, and it covers from ankle all, all the, way. the way down. Okay. So in theory, nothing gets into your shoes or socks. In theory? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, walked away without blisters. Oh, good. Okay. But learned real fast that that sand just sucks your energy. There is yeah. no return, like on a trail, you're not springing back from your step. Yeah. It just sucks you dry. Super fun. Um, <laughs> the desert is both uh, ugly and beautiful. And to get to run through some of those slot canyons and to see the Horseshoe Canyon, it was absolutely incredible and also sucked <laughs> at the same time. So it looks like, so that one was actually, so March of last year. Mm-hmm. And, and that one, so... When did it start? So it took you nine and a half hours. Was it like an early morning start or was it a late day start? It like were you running really into early. the heat or running out of the heat? You ran into the heat. Okay. It started and we had layers on. Um, that one I actually wound up pacing a friend of mine. So she had originally signed up for the half marathon and decided the day before that she was going to do her first ultra. So <laughs> That's ballsy. <laughs> yeah. She, she threw down. She was, she was, she was ready. Um, she could do it, but she asked, uh, would you mind if you didn't race? Would you mind if you, would you stay with me? Mm -hmm. So we did. It was a lot of fun. I think we learned a lot about each other. Yes. Um, When you spend nine and a half hours together in some of the, let's say the most trying situations. mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. That was my first time pacing someone. I had been paced multiple times, but Mm -hmm. I had never, I had never been a pacer. So it was kind of probably, do you think it changed your perspective the next time you had a pacer? Like, did you see it from their side a little bit more since you had finally, I guess, ran some in their shoes? (laughs) It definitely did. Um, There were times when I remember saying things to my pacer and I got a very limited response. Mm -hmm. Your pacer's job is to stay positive with you always. And my pacers never fed into any of my, I won't call them complaints, but... But the pity parties you have, we tend to have sometimes. mm -hmm, That roller coaster (laughs) that you ride, they're always up at the top and never at the bottom with Mm -hmm. you. And I remember... That's a good word. That'll (laughs) preach right there. There we go. (laughs) I remember her telling me afterwards, you would just say, yep, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yep, a lot. Um, But it's hard to know what to say. There's not really a way that you can prep to be a pacer because you never know what's going to come out of your runner. Yeah, every race is different. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of have to definitely go with the roller coaster that your runner is going to. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about Rocky Raccoon in 2019. So that was your... Um, we'll call it your first attempt. So you had to DNF. Mm-hmm. And I remember, so we've been friends online. For those of you that don't know, we've been friends online for 
few years. Um, but this is the first time we've actually met face to face as I interview her for this podcast. Mm-hmm. So yay. Um, and so I, but I remember watching and like we were in like the women's online group and I was like, how's Mandy doing? And they're like, we don't know. And I'm like, crap. And so like someone, I don't even know who it was, was kind of keeping us kind of in the know of what was going on. And they're like, she DNF'd and we're all like, what do you mean she DNF'd? <laughs> oh, sorry, doggy. I woke you up. Yeah, okay. Um, and so, um, so let's kind of just talk about that experience. Like how far did you make it? You know, why did you make the decision to stop the race? Um, just kind of. What was that rundown for you? Yeah. Um, so when I pull up my actual Garmin, I think it shows that I stopped somewhere around 69 miles. Uh, that's when my Garmin died. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> Dang you, Garmin. <laughs> yes. I made it uh, just over 80 miles, and I wound up stopping because I had uh, second-degree chemical burns on my feet. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Um, so around 30 Much miles. Much ouch. Oh, much ouch. Yes, much, much ouch. Around 30 miles, I knew that I had a problem. I thought I was getting a blister, and I had, I'd never run you know, a 100-miler before, so I didn't know what it was supposed to feel like. Yeah. Um, Everything's a surprise after a certain mileage when you do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the conditions were, they were wet. Uh, there was Where mud. is Rocky Raccoon? It's in Huntsville, it's in Texas. Texas. Okay. Yep, they had had a lot of rain, and the, their trails don't drain like ours do here. Okay. Um, so we're fortunate enough that we're in the Ozarks, and there's some elevation. Yeah. Um, they are not up high. That <laughs> course is very flat, and it doesn't drain well at all. Okay. Um, so I had water, I had mud, I had heat. Um, I ran just as I had trained, but I had some sort of a reaction to what I think was uh, what my socks were made of. Okay. And the lube that I was using Just on my feet. the trifecta of mud, heat, and this other stuff, you think? Mm-hmm. I think it was the perfect storm. Uh, so I started to feel like I had uh, knives going through my toes. Oh. And I kept telling my group, I feel fine my toes hurt. Yeah. And, and this was at mile 30? This that... was around, let's see, so it's a 25-mile uh, 25 loop, so you okay. do that four times. Okay. So I came through the first time, we changed shoes and socks, no huge problems. Went back out again, started, I was out there by myself, you run the first 50 solo. I just started feeling like something's, something's not right, yeah. but I didn't know what right felt like and what wrong yeah. felt like, so I just kept going. At 50, we did another shoe sock change, and I remember someone touching my toe, and I screamed. Um, Were there any blisters, any redness, or they just hurt? They hurt. And at that point, one of my pacers was a doctor, and she told me, she goes, I don't see any blisters. Mm -hmm. And at that point, they didn't. Um, So I put my shoes and socks back on, um, was in tears, but I kept running. Yeah. But then parties like... Don't be a wuss. You got 50 more miles. Just mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> the sun was going down. Went back out there. This, look, this is the hard part. This is the overnight. Yes. You probably feel That's like you're I've supposed heard. to feel. Yep. Is your body, is your mind telling you this is normal? Or this is what you think it should be? You know it's going to be hard? Or what's your mind telling you at this point? At is- that point, my mind was telling me I'm only halfway done. And I just mm-hmm. need to to kind of suck it suck up. Suck it up. Yeah. So we went out. Uh, at that point, I had my pacer with me, and that's when I really, really started to slow down. Um, I think both physically and mentally, mm-hmm. I was starting to come apart. 
Um, I have never. Did you think it was just the night? Because the night does typically tend to slow down, tend to be that for people. So Mm -hmm. did you think this is typical and once the sun comes up, I'll be fine? No, that's what I wished, but I knew something was was really wrong. Um, We got through up into about, it was about 75. um, And then I had another five-ish miles out and back. Uh, so I hit another aid station, and by that time I had slowed down so much um, that I, I had missed the cutoff. Gotcha. Um, okay. Which for me was both a positive and a negative. The negative was that I had slowed down that much. That much. I, yeah. Never in my mind did I think I wouldn't make the cutoff. The positive was the pain could stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we got my shoes and my socks. So was off. the choice made for you to stop, or was it a you could still run it, but it wouldn't be considered like an official finish kind of deal? That's an interesting question because technically the choice should have been made for me, uh, but the captain at that aid station actually said, if she wants to keep going, mm-hmm. she will let her go through, but they will stop her at the next aid station. Yeah. Um, so at that point, you're like, that ain't worth it. <laughs> No, it it hurt too much. Um, Took off shoes and socks, got Mm -hmm. a good look when we got back to the hotel at my feet. And Mm -hmm. at that point, the blisters had started to form, but my my feet were anywhere that my socks touched, they were bright red. Um, And that was when my my pacer friend or the doctor, she says, yeah, you have chemical burns. Um, That's crazy. Had you tried this combo of like lube sock before? Yep. So it was just... Somehow the heat altered something funky, I guess. That's my guess. I, I honestly crazy. don't know. Because that's what we're taught as runners is try everything and whatever works, keep doing that. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you did and it kind of bit you in the butt. <laughs> yep. Yep. I've never put those socks back on and I have never burn used them that loop. <laughs> We've talked about burning them. Um, we're waiting for the right moment. I've actually brought them with me to multiple events to see if, you know, would, if would, it that, was the time. would that be the time that we, uh, you it's know, like burning an ex-boyfriend's them. picture. <laughs> yes. Do we sacrifice the socks to the running gods? Uh, we have not burned them yet. Um, one, my husband put the kibosh on and said the only place to burn them is inside the hotel, and that's just a no-go. <laughs> okay, we'll give you that. <laughs> and then I think there was another event we were at that it was raining, and we decided it needs to be an epic fire. Yes. And we're not going to light them in the rain. Like, make it worth, make it worth the ceremony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so at some point, they will be burned. But <laughs> for, awesome. for now, they're in a, a giant Ziploc baggie in my closet. That's funny. Mm-hmm. I love that you saved them. I would think the same thing. I'd be like, at some point, there's going to be an event where I'm going to be like, screw you, socks. Yep. Yes, they will be burned at some point. That's awesome. So that was February. I'm looking at the dates. February 2nd, 2019. Mm-hmm. So you literally tried again and succeeded this time. Like, mm-hmm. what, like? Six weeks. Six weeks later. So what was the transition? Like, when you got done with the DNF, Obviously, you were physically done. Your feet were hamburger at that point. Um, Emotionally, kind of where were you after that DNF? I'd say for about the first 12-ish hours, um, aside from being exhausted, I was was having a pity party. I was um, disappointed. I was embarrassed. I had Mm -hmm. been posting about this. I had been excited. I consider myself someone that says, if I'm going to do something, I find a way to get it done. And I felt like I had failed. It was, I didn't do what I said that I had set out to Mm -hmm. do. And I have a lot of really experienced runners um, in my my group of peeps. Mm -hmm. A lot of them were out there with me. And 
I think the biggest thing that I walked away from that race with was a new respect for the sport. Mm-hmm. This isn't necessarily something that you can control. Yeah. Um, you can be as physically trained um, as you can be, and the course or the day or the elements can give you things that you're just not prepared to deal with. Yeah. Looking back, if the exact same thing happened again, I don't know if if mentally I would be strong enough to get through the stabbing pain in my toes. Yes. I'd like to say that, yeah, sure, I could. Um, but you had like 15 more miles, and if you were already slowing down enough to be missing cutoffs, that mm-hmm. would have taken you so long, probably. Yeah. And you could have done permanent damage had you tried to do it, too. It's possible. I typically live in the camp of only nine toenails. Um, <laughs> they're not necessary. No, they're decorative. No, they're just an accessory. Um, but, yeah, I, I probably could have really damaged my skin and my feet. Uh, I mean, everything heals. It just would have taken a lot longer to yeah. bounce back. Um, but, no, I was down in the dumps for a bit. Um, not very long, though. Uh, we, we yeah, talked... 12 hours isn't bad. What was your crew saying to you? Were they just kind of letting you have your pity party? Were they, gonna, were they trying to, like, dig you out of it? Or mm-hmm. they were just like, just leave her be. Just leave her be. <laughs> we talked about it a lot. We talked about the day. We talked about the training, the event. And they were, my crew is constantly positive. Um, I don't think that they let me have a pity party, or, nor did they stop it. Mm-hmm. We just all talked about what happened, and they were constantly telling me, you ran 80 miles. Like, this is this is really good. Think yeah. about everything that we've learned. Think about how much fun we had. Until it wasn't fun, it was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they said, you know, this is going to be one of those stories that, that, we, that we talk about and tell, and you're going to learn a lot from yeah. us. And when I, I, I remember you saying that, that your 100 might be a one and done. And when I started out to do Rocky the first time, that's what my husband and I talked about. Yeah. Hey, this is probably a one-time deal. This yeah. is a lot of we'll strain see. on everybody. <laughs> and I remember he, he came back into the hotel room that morning. He had taken a friend of his to the airport. Uh, the, the event actually happened over the weekend of my birthday. And as a birthday present, he brought one of his uh, uh, buddies from, from university who runs a multimedia company and he brought him down to record the event. Oh, how fun. And so I have a, this awesome video that's all spliced together. It's done really well. And he, he videotaped the entire thing, which is both a blessing and a curse now yes. because I have all of the pain and agony on video. Um, he came back in from taking him to the airport and I remember asking him in tears, I said, we have to come back. I have to do this again. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, of <laughs> like course. it was a given that you were yeah. gonna try again. Like, he's like, he probably's like, I know you. We know we're gonna do this again. Mm-hmm. Move on. <laughs> yeah, I think he asked if we needed to go back downstairs and rebook the rooms for next year. <laughs> um, but no, he was he was totally on board. So I had planned to do it the next year. So just take a whole another year to train, mm-hmm. try it again, recover, train. Um, so how did it go from 52 weeks to six weeks? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a big difference. Well, I think around here in the ultra community, um, a lot of us like to go back to the local running store and we'll, we'll relive the memories, you know, with, with Mike or James Dang or the you, staff. Mike. <laughs> and I was, I was there, I think it was a week and a half or so afterwards, and we're talking through what happened and we're talking through how well the training had gone and... Mike says, well, you know, there's this thing called Prairie Spirit. I think it's in about five weeks. And he says, hey, James, why don't you pull that up? And he says, oh, yeah, I'm already on that. So he pulled it up. He said, well, you know, registration is still open. And they talked about, you know, the, the course. And he says, yeah, you know, you could, you could be ready for this. And I'm thinking, 
Yeah, I don't know. I I just don't know. (laughs) And driving home, I I pulled over on the way home, and I pulled it up on my phone, and I started looking at the course. Mm -hmm. And when I came back into the house, I got online and started doing some more research. And then I'm pretty sure I talked to my husband that night. (laughs) Was he surprised at all? I don't think he was surprised, but he wasn't fully on board yet. Okay. I think it's... Was he worried about you physically? Mm-hmm. Just maybe it was too soon to try again? I think a little bit of... Probably both. Mm-hmm. I haven't asked him specifically, but knowing him, he was... You know, one, are you putting yourself through too much too soon? Yeah. And two, there's probably got to be that fear in the back of your mind. What if the worst happens again? Yeah. You know, what if you go out there and you have to suffer through another yeah. DNF? And you have to see... Yeah, see someone you love go through that again when we just went through it. Well, one of the things we talked about on the ride home from Rocky, um, because I, I haven't sat in his shoes. I've not watched him go through an event where he's just... He's in so much pain, yeah. but he says he wants to keep going. So yeah. I don't know what it's like for him. The insanity of the ultra runner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to look at me roll in at mile whatever, and I'm obviously not in a good place, but everything we've talked about is that his job is to tell me to keep, keep going. going. Um, so it was probably a weird spot for him to be in. You yeah. know, do I, how do I sit through this again? Yeah. Um, but after I think it was, it's probably about a day. I can be pretty persuasive. <laughs> um, and, and he's amazing. He's, he's super supportive. And I think it was, Hey, if, if that's what you want to go and do, if you want to try and tick that box, let's go tick the box. And so we did uh, prayer spirit was a completely different experience. Do you think Rocky. it was helpful that you had gone through that rough thing at Rocky? Cause it gave you maybe a little bit more of things to look for things maybe to do not to do is maybe a little less scary. Cause you kind of had already been there. Even if you DNF'd, I mean, you were pretty dang close to a hundred miles. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things that I learned from Rocky and I asked my pacers, I mean, aside from continually telling them that my toes hurt, mm-hmm. I wasn't complaining. Um, and I learned that if you have the energy to complain about something, mm-hmm. you have the energy to keep moving. Yeah. Um, so that was something that I used at Prairie Spirit. Um, it was a much more upbeat event. Um, there was a lot less crying and uh, <laughs> less snot and less growling. Yeah, I, learned. I was less dehydrated because the tears weren't going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently when I'm really not in a good place, I growl a lot. Oh, um, that's funny. So is that on the video from Rocky? Oh, yes. Yes. That's it's absolutely disgusting. <laughs> um, there's a lot of tears and as opposed to words, I growl. Okay. Um, it's really weird. I didn't know I did it until I watched the video and they're like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, no, we, we know you growled <laughs> multiple that's times. That's funny. Mm-hmm. So it's a little strange. <laughs> there was, there was no growling at Prairie Spirit. Um, I got through the first 50, felt really, really good. Uh, I started that race in the dark, in the rain. Okay, running. so that's a night start? Like, Oh, yeah. You started about o'clock? 6 o'clock in the morning. Six, oh, 6 o'clock in the morning. Okay, but so it was still morning, dark. Yeah. So it was March um, in Kansas. still dark. You had about an hour or so before the sun came up. Okay. And I started into a 30-mile headwind. Ugh. Um, you go Gross. out about a mile and then you turn around. And I remember so turning March, around. So March, March can be weird when it comes to weather. Was it still cold? Was it in that weird kind of spring, warmish? Uh, we got uh, all seasons that day. Okay. Yep. <laughs> all four seasons in we 24 really did. hours. <laughs> we started in the rain, in the wind. Um, after about seven to eight miles, it was snowing. 
But crap. Mm -hmm. (laughs) By the time I got to the 50-mile turnaround, um, I was in shorts, and I think I had a light long sleeve top on. Um, Overnight, I think I put on a jacket. Mm -hmm. So we had rain, we had snow, I had gorgeous sun, and then you had the overnight cold. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah, it was. It, it was makes it hard nuts. to pack. It's like, how do you pack all the stuff that you, you know, literally you have to have a contingency plan for everything, especially during March. Yeah, you pack for everything. I had, a, I kind of had a system. I used Rubbermaid containers. Mm-hmm. I used Ziploc bags, um, and I labeled everything. You know, these are short sleeves, long sleeves, shorts, Crocs. Yeah, it makes it easier for your crew. Mm-hmm. Bubble vest, rain jacket. So did you have a sit-down meeting with your crew and say, okay, this is what I need. This is the way I have things organized. Oh, yeah. I'm a little bit type A. Um, <laughs> I, I might steal my... this idea. Oh, I'm, feel free. I'm, I'm I, stole it. I stole it from someone else. So, yeah, we have a meeting. Um, I have a high-level schedule. Of... You can't see she's handing me a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> of my travel. Oh, yes, that is... Very a, type A. I have a pace chart. Pace chart, okay. Um, kind of ideal times, um, phone numbers for everyone. This is probably more for me than for my crew. I could um, see that, yeah. Definitely one less thing to think about because mm-hmm. I know I personally would be like, I'm going to be like, are they having fun? Am I stressing them out? They're, you know, they're staying up all these hours with mm-hmm. me doing this crazy thing and I would be so worried about them yep. that I'm like it would negate some of the stuff I was trying to do on the trail. Your ultra, your hundred is kind of like your wedding day. It's all about you. Everyone is there to make sure that you get to the finish line. Mm-hmm. You get you know, 24 hours or whatever it is. Yeah. And then uh, we kind of joke. Uh, one of my pacers is the, the doctor friend that I have. After we had our celebration meal. So, you know, we still went out. We still celebrated after Rocky. We did the same thing after Prairie Spirit. And it was like, okay, Flipping the switch. It's not all about you anymore. We get to go eat what we want. Yes. We're going to have a good time. You're going to buy us the beer and the wine mm. now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I, I'm, I'm a big advocate of, of communication. I want to know um, what they expect, what I expect, mm-hmm. um, kind of how the weekend's going to run, what the schedule looks like, you know, what questions do they have. Did you have the same crew for both? Uh, very close. Very similar. Gotcha. Um, there are a couple things that So that first Rocky. crew, those people that were there, kind of already knew what to expect from you having been there with Rocky. Mm-hmm. So and that's most, good. Most of them I run with on a regular basis anyway. Okay. Once I had asked certain people to crew or pace for me, um, we made a point to do a lot of miles together. And these are people that I run with anyway. Yeah. Um, so we... We've been around each other enough that it wasn't like they had to ask a lot of questions. Yeah, they just kind of knew. Okay. So did you feel like, like what were you feeling like when you towed the line at Prairie Spirit? Like, I think I wrote in my notes, like, did she have like trail, you know, running PTSD? Like, what if it happens again? Or were you there going, I'm going to knock this out. I'm good. We got this. What was kind of your thought process when you're like, oh crap, let's let's do this again. My toe's on the line. The gun's about to go off. I think when I woke up that morning and it was rainy and cold, I thought, oh, seriously? <laughs> You've got to be kidding. No more mud. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure I smiled the entire race. That's awesome. It just, it really came together. It was, if, I mean, if you can just craft out the perfect 100 miler, mm-hmm. that's pretty close to what I had. It was amazing. There were limited dark periods. Um, there were a couple points overnight where I, I hallucinated a little bit, which I've heard can happen, which is always interesting. We'll discuss in a minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then there came a point where 
I had picked up my last pacer, who happened to be my, my coach, Mark Moeller, um, and he's, he's wearing the most ridiculous outfit. Um, was I'll, that for your, your benefit or his benefit? Oh, it was for my benefit. <laughs> you do a lot of silly things out there to surprise your runner, to make him laugh. We've worn tutus, we've worn onesies, I've worn a David, ha- David Hasselhoff mask. We've sang songs. It <laughs> Whatever is, gets them smiling it is and moving. Everything and anything. So they had apparently gone to a Walmart somewhere in Kansas, and he was dressed in what I think was a Hawaiian tiger outfit. Shorts, <laughs> top right. hat. I, I'm pretty sure I asked him, Are you going to run in that? <laughs> so we headed out. I think we had about 27 miles to go. Uh, my right hip flexor was bugging me a bit. I was struggling a little bit to, to, to get started after I would slow down. Yes. And we talked a lot about it. We were quiet a lot. Um, I like to sing when I run. So we did a lot of um, 90s alternative music. Yes. Um, and then we got, I think we had about 10 miles left. And he starts talking to me about pace. And I didn't want to talk about pace. I just wanted to, to finish yes. this. And he got quiet for a bit, and then we started talking again, and what he was laying out was that if we made up a little bit of time, sub-24 was on the table. Mm -hmm. And was that something that I wanted to go after? And I originally told him no. Yes. Yeah. I don't really want to hurt that Like originally bad. before the race or originally at that oh, time, no. 10 miles from the finish line? At that time, 10 miles from the finish, I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. If you think <laughs> I'm going to speed up, you can just yeah. stick Do it. Do you know I just did 90 miles? Mm -hmm. So he got, he got quiet again. And I'm pretty sure a good song came on and, and my mood changed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I started talking to him about, well, then what would that look like? What, what, what would I have to do yeah. to How much faster happen? do I have to go? He said, I have a strategy and a plan. Can you follow directions? And I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and so we started going after it. And he would tell me when I needed to run. And he would tell me when I needed to walk. And I think it was around 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, my body woke up again. And I'm told that that's something that happens. You kind of are used to your sleep and wake patterns. And yeah. there's a point overnight where your body just wants to shut down. And that was about the time when my body was used to getting up. Okay. I would get up about four o'clock in the morning to go and do my runs on the weekday. And that's when I woke up. Yeah. And the runs started to come together. Nice. We started making up the time. Uh, at one point, he had to stop and go to the bathroom. And I left him. <laughs> catch and up. I kept Tiger. moving. He, he said he had to actually sprint a bit to catch up. Um, with about three miles to go, he says, I need to tell you something. And I'm thinking, oh, crap. Like, you I know, screwed it. <laughs> I didn't do something right. And he says, I think he said it's it's five something in the morning. And he says, you have three hours left. Or no, you have three miles left. Mm -hmm. He says, and you need to do that in, in about an hour. He says, your sub-24 is there. We just need to keep going. And that was all I needed to hear to just really kick it in gear. And by mm -hmm. kick it in gear, I mean I was probably doing an 11-minute mile, maybe a 12. Um, <laughs> that would be so. great for me on the trail, <laughs> but for you, I know that's slow. <laughs> so, so you feel like you're flying, but you're, you're really not. Um, and we, we kept going, and I, I did it in, in sub-24, and it, it just it was amazing. I had a lot of fun. It wasn't the pain that Rocky was. Yeah. It, it was painful. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It, it, it hurt. It still was 100 miles. But I didn't feel like my toes were being stabbed. Are you a crier? Did you cry at the finish line? Oh, I'm such a crier. <laughs> I'm a huge crier. Uh, when I get tired, I get emotional. Mm -hmm. And that's actually something I've covered with my crew a few times. When I get tired, when we're out there, 
if you tell me something and I just burst into tears, I'm fine. Yeah, don't take it personally. (laughs) It's okay. Um, Yeah, I think I cried a little bit. I wasn't a blubbering mess, but uh, I think we all cried a little bit. Yeah. Especially yeah. with, like, redemption. As, I mean, I can yeah. definitely see... It's happy. It's it's overwhelming. It's emotional. Um, yeah, I've cried when other people cross the finish line, too. It's <laughs> yeah. just, you're just really excited. You know how how much it meant to them. Yeah, and you know, since you've done it, you know how hard... It's not about, yes, you just ran 100 miles, but it's all about the months and months and months and thousands of miles of training it takes to get to that finish line. It's mm-hmm. not just 24 hours. It's months and months, hours and hours, miles and miles to mm-hmm. get there to be able to survive a hundred miler. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, especially doing it, you're like, I totally get it. I know what you've gone through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> or for, for my husband, you know, he, every time my alarm goes off in the morning, it wakes him up. Mm-hmm. Every time my alarm goes off on the weekend, it wakes him up. So it's just as much about him as it is about me. He sacrifices too. So I think it was as much of a, of a win for him. Mm-hmm. When it was like, yes, yeah, she's going to simmer down for a bit. <laughs> I get to sleep in now. Yes. <laughs> but too, I mean, he's, I think he's as invested in it. You know, it's the person that you love and it's, it's your, mm-hmm. your life partner. And he saw me achieve something that I had wanted so bad, which he, I think, in turn wanted for me. So. Yeah, which is amazing because, I mean, too often I see in a lot of, like, the, the women's only running groups on Facebook and stuff about how, you know, my my husband gets mad, you know, my partner's not supportive, and I'm like, I don't have any, like, I'm a lot like you. My husband, Kendall's like, yeah, go do what you got to do. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, all right, let me put it in the budget. You want to do this race? Just sign up for it. I'll make it work. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have any framework or context for having a jerk of a of a partner who's like, no, you can't go fulfill your dreams. You have to cook me dinner or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their problem is. <laughs> yeah. So yes. are, are you? Did I see? Am I wrong? Are you doing Rocky again this year? It's in four days. It's in four days. Yep. Yay, that's Today exciting. Today is Tuesday. We leave Friday, and the event is Saturday. Okay, so yeah. that's what I thought. I yep. was like, so is, that, is it on your birthday weekend again? It is. I turned 40. <laughs> Yay! So I turned 40 this year as well. Yay. That's why I was like, that's why I wanted to do a 100-miler this mm-hmm. year. So that's exciting. So when is your actual birthday? On Saturday? Uh, my actual birthday is on the 3rd, so it'll okay. be the Monday when we come home. Okay, that's exciting. Yeah. Yes. Last, so Last year it was over the exact birthday. This year it shifted out by a day. You're like, okay, better birthday present. We're going to finish this time. It's all mm-hmm. good. So, um, so my plan is to have this actually release next week. So by the time I put the finishing touches on it, I'll be able to put a little tag in there going, well, she finished. This was her time. She kicked some butt. So we'll do a little follow-up before I do the actual publishing so we can know. So I'm assuming you feel ready. You're, you've gone through the crazy, the, the taper tantrums, and you feel like you're pretty good. Physically, I know that I'm ready. Mentally, I know that I'm ready. Um, I think there's still that little bit of, of self-doubt that's mm-hmm. in your mind. It's more of a, what if I fail again? What if, yeah. you know, what if the uncontrollable happens? Which is, it's a, it's Which a, is real, life in it's a real thing I <laughs> yeah. mean, for life in general and for the sport. Um, the ultra is about problem solving and mm-hmm. being able to Definitely. do that on the fly. And yeah. making sure that your crew is, is doing that too. So 
I'm looking forward to a fun event. My main goal is to finish, you mm-hmm. know, cross the line, check the box, do what I set out to do. What do you, what do you you've been saying it was like, what, Rocky's Revenge or Raccoon Revenge? What do you call it? Some, you have a hashtag. What it's is it? I can't remember. Rocky Redemption 2020. That's what it is. <laughs> I've got a, a separate uh, Facebook thread. I think it's called the Raccoon Poachers. <laughs> That's so great. We're, we're all about taking care of the raccoon. I think uh, Mike has told me to trash the trash panda. Trash the trash panda. I love it. Yeah. So... As, as long as I finish, I'm, I'm happy. Um, it'll be a learning experience either way. Um, anything beyond finishing is just, is just extra. Yeah. So is it the exact same course? Because I know sometimes they have to shift them for various reasons and stuff. Same and course. what's the weather like this time? Have you looked? <laughs> I have looked. Yeah. <laughs> Typically, I don't look uh, until like, about the week. This weekend. time, I'm making an exception. <laughs> I did look. It looks like it's going to be perfect. Yay. Um, so it hasn't rained? Knock on wood. It did rain. It rained today. Of course. Um, and I think there was one other day that it was uh, you know, 20 30% chance. But the race day looks to be quite warm, actually. Okay. Um, and uh, the so, what does warm day, mean? When I looked at the temperature in Huntsville, um, their highs were sixty-seven to seventy-two. Okay, yeah, that, that's pretty warm, Which especially is, for an ultra. Yeah, it's pretty warm. Um, but that's nothing that that you can't manage. Yeah, that's Arkansas. I mean, you can do that. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> Yay, that's exciting. So are you guys driving or are you going to fly down there? Uh, it's a combination of both. I've okay. got two crew members that are flying uh, because one of them needs to go to Costa Rica immediately after the oh, race for okay. work. <laughs> I've got two crew that are driving because they need to be back uh, a little bit sooner. They've got a, they're getting married this year, so they've got limited vacation yes. time. <laughs> and then Ed and I are going to drive. Um, we've got shade tent, table, chairs, all that yeah, packed all up. Yeah, all the stuff. Yeah, so we'll leave early Friday morning and get into the state park probably around 2, 2.30. That's not horrible. No, it's not bad. Um, my husband has a lead foot, so we may get there sooner. <laughs> um, he likes to drive fast, especially when I sleep. So we'll do a tent setup, packet pickup. We're all going to meet for dinner that night, and then I have a, a planned 7.30 bedtime. Yep. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. just don't talk to me, melatonin, headphones. We're good. Mm-hmm. That's the plan. So what time does it start? 6 a.m. again? Mm-hmm. Race starts okay. at 6, so we'll leave um, the hotel, get to the park, use porta potty a few times. <laughs> yes. Deal with all... How many people... I don't even know. How big is Rocky Raccoon? Like, how many people are usually there? Do you know? This race, the last I looked, had around 840 people in so it. So that's a pretty big ultra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good Definitely. size. Yeah. They've got a 100-miler and a 100K that weekend, and then the next weekend is a 50-miler and a 50K. Okay, so they, they don't s- do them all at the same time. Gotcha. They split it, I think, typical to uh, state parks, similar to Hobbs. They've got a cap on how many people they can have. can be have on the trail at a time. At okay. a time. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yay, yeah. I'm so excited. I'm excited. I knew it was coming up, but I wasn't sure if it was like the same weekend. I didn't realize it was literally in like yeah. four days. Yep, four days. Yay! You're smiling though, so you're not you're like you got this. Yeah, I'm just ready to start running. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's a little bit of you like let's just get this over with. Kind of. Um, In a way, I, yeah. I want to skip to the part where they give me the buckle, and then I get to go eat a, a piece of pizza and chocolate cake. <laughs> yeah, put my feet up. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. funny. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to do it. It's twenty twenty six twenty seven weeks of training. Yeah, three weeks of taper. I'm ready to go. <laughs> like I'm done. So do you have anything planned after that? Or are you just kind of going to let this see what happens with the rest of your year? Or That's a good question. Um, for races, for me specifically, I haven't looked a whole lot past that. Um, I've got a girlfriend who's doing her first 100 that I'm going to pace her for. It's Prairie Spirit. Okay. Um, I think it's three days after the, after the event, we go skiing, um, <laughs> which is skiing for my husband, spawing for me. 
<laughs> yes. Um, but no, I haven't picked out anything yet. I'm sure I will. I yeah. usually get the uh, the race crazies about two to three weeks after an event. Yeah. You're like, let me just get through this. <laughs> yeah, I've got to put something else on the calendar. But we'll see. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I know we kind of discussed a little bit too is um, like you put the best food porn pictures out on Facebook. <laughs> Um, can I say food? I don't know. I call it food porn. That's what it is. Um, and so it actually, I mean, and we all know that, you know, nutrition is huge for runners, but it is kind of funny to watch like the dichotomy of runners. Some runners are like, eat whatever I want, whenever I want, as much crappy food as I want, as long as I can still run. And then you have the other ones who are like, I'm going to eat healthy during training. I'm going to save the pizza and the chocolate cake and all the beer and all that for the post race, whatever. Mm-hmm. So where do you fall into that? Like when it comes to nutrition, are you like a just have fun because I know I'm burning the calories or are you like a super strict when it comes to your nutrition when you're training? I wouldn't say I'm super strict. Uh, for me, I found that if I go all or nothing, um, I tend to go all or nothing. Mm-hmm. I'll be super strict and then I'll have a piece of pizza that turns into the entire pizza. <laughs> um, so I try and take a pretty balanced approach. Um, for me, when I eat well, I feel pretty good Yeah, and I'm more motivated to get out there and to train and to perform. Um, so for, for me, it's about balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely indulge. Um, it's more post-race. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want a, a gut bomb out there. Yes. Um, we don't eat the chocolate cake the night before cause God only knows what that'll do at six o'clock in the morning. For sure. <laughs> Race day though, race day is a little different for me. Race day, it's I eat what what I want. I eat what mm-hmm. my body feels like. If I roll into an aid station and I want to eat bacon, I eat bacon. If I want Oreos, I eat Oreos. Mm-hmm. I've eaten a Nutella sandwich out there for dinner. <laughs> um, it's just kind of yeah, and it's kind of funny. Craving. Some people who aren't used to the ultra community don't understand that when you're out there, your aid stations aren't like your half marathon where they might have like some water and some goos. I mean, you're talking, there are full meals going on at aid stations. You've you know? got mashed potatoes, you've got ramen noodles, you've got quesadillas, sometimes there's bacon, sometimes there's pickles wrapped in bacon, <laughs> M&M's, cookies, pretzels. I've seen yeah. it all. All the stuff they tell us not to eat during training, they're like, now go run and eat all this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, again, it's about balance. You can't roll into an aid station and slam five quesadillas and eight slices of bacon. But you, you, you eat what your body needs and you, and you mm-hmm. keep going. So race day is a little bit different. But my approach to, to training in general, it's more of a healthy approach, mm-hmm. uh, definitely with, with balance factored in. Um, which is kind of what led you into your business, which mm-hmm. is, I'm going to make sure I get the name right. So it's called four, the number four, you health and nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what made you decide that I love running nutrition helps me be a better runner. So let's transition this into a business. What kind of brought you to that idea? Yeah. Good question. Um, so I was in corporate for probably it's a little over 20 years. Um, amazing experience. It taught me a lot about how to structure things and about how to map out goals, mm-hmm. um, how to work in general, uh, customer service. I think that being able to have the opportunity to open my own business uh, was about balance for my husband and I. Um, and it was also about taking something that I'm passionate about and really just pursuing that. Mm-hmm. Um, have always been just kind of enamored by what the body can do and what it can do when it's fueled well and also enamored by human behavior um 
why people do what mm-hmm. they do, how people form habits, uh, why people struggle with different things. Um, so I opened uh, for you because I don't think that health should have to be hard. It shouldn't be complicated. It shouldn't be something that appears... Which some people try to do so much. Mm-hmm. It's not that difficult, y'all. <laughs> and I don't want to oversimplify it, but it's just about finding what works for the individual. Yes, and I think that is part of the problem. Everybody has this blanket mentality like, oh, keto worked for me, so it's going to work for you. Oh, plant-based diet worked for me, it's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, everybody is different. You can't just blanket be like, oh, it worked for me. It has to work for you. Mm -hmm. I think it's about being patient and about being willing to try new things. And that's part of the problem too. Some people don't have the patience to wait for the results either. For sure. But you look at what we're bombarded with every day and it's these before and after pictures that look amazing, but Mm -hmm. there's no backstory and you don't see the work that went into building that body or it's Hey, I've got a quick fix here and it's, you know, nineteen ninety nine. Take this pill or oh, you wanna lose five pounds in three days, just drink these little drinks every day. And mm-hmm. that approach I think is all about getting someone to come back to you over and over mm-hmm. and over. And the approach that I took in corporate and the approach that I take with this business is my job is to work myself out of a job. If I can teach you enough and work with you enough that you don't need me anymore, mm-hmm. that you can do it on your own then I've succeeded in helping someone to be a better version of themselves. That's amazing. That's great. Because, yeah, I mean, you're right. So many of these businesses, it's all, about making, it's all about making a lifetime customer, not helping someone live their best life. Mm-hmm. And that's what you are trying to do, is you're trying to help someone live their best life, not get someone who's going to come back and be like, like a drug dealer. Like, I need more of that. I need more to feel better about myself. I need that little bottle. I need that little pill or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I would, I would love to say, hey, I want you to keep coming back and I want you to keep paying me, but then I'm not teaching you and I'm not doing my job. Yeah. So. Well, in some ways you're almost like holding their hand, like instead of like teaching them to walk on their own. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that's super important because I mean, yes, like there are diet plans that we know work, Slim Fast, Nutrisystem, all, Jenny Craig, whatever those are. But in some ways, like if someone's preparing your meal for you always... Yeah, you're going to lose weight, but are you actually learning anything about what works for your body and what is, you know, are you, do you know why this particular meal that Jenny Craig has shipped you in your, in your little container, why is it working for you? Why does it work? Why does it maybe not work? And so I think learning, I, lo- I love the approach that you have, it, but it's not about, yes, it's about being healthy. And yes, you know, if that's your goal, it's about losing weight, but it's more about teaching you why certain things work for you and why certain things don't work for you. So I think that's super great. Um, so I had a couple of questions like what are um, some of, I, you know, you've been around runners and, you know, healthy people, you know, I'm going to assume since most of your friends are runners. Um, what do you think are some of the big lies in the nutrition kind of healthy industry, especially because, I mean, runners were told all sorts of different things, but what are some lies you think that a lot of people believe? And it might kind of like, a lot of times it stalls them from either reaching their goals or sticking with maybe their goals and they fall off the wagon really easy. Yeah. Um, so a couple of things. Uh, the first thing, like I said, people think that it has to be hard. It's got to be complex. I've got to build six or seven perfectly balanced meals a day to get to where I want to go. And, and it really doesn't. I mean, you can skin the cat 16 different ways and mm-hmm. still get the results that, that you're looking for. Um, but it takes time to find mm-hmm. what works for you. 
so it doesn't have to be complicated. I think that's one misconception. Um, but it's, it's probably not going to come quick. I yeah. think that's another misconception. I can do this in three weeks. I can do this in a month. Mm-hmm. It, it takes time. Because we're, we're a microwave society. We want it now. We are. Yeah. I want it in 60 seconds. Defrosted. <laughs> it, it takes time. It takes time to build habit. It takes time mm-hmm. for something to seem as though it's second nature. Mm-hmm. And it takes time to figure out what works for you in different situations. Yeah. So taking the mindset that you know, there are a lot of different ways that we can achieve the goal. But to figure those things out, we're going to have to, one, try new things, and Mm -hmm. we're going to have to be patient. Um, You also have to be consistent, though. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, people want stuff really quick, and when it doesn't happen, they're very fast to jump to what's the next thing, so what else do I try? Mm -hmm. Very similar to ultra running, pick a plan, commit to it, and then let's figure it out, let's work the plan. And if you need to adjust, that's fine, but give it time to work first Mm -hmm. before you do that. Yeah. I think you said too, there's, there's not a one size fits all different things work for different bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me with, for you, uh, it's taking time to understand the unique individual and their mm-hmm. goals and then partnering with, with them to figure out what's going to work and also what doesn't work. Yeah. You can do a lot from process of elimination. Yeah, that's true. That's one thing that I've always had a hard time. Cause like, you know, every just or every like tracking app, every, you know, get healthy, you know, unless it's running, but like fitness related women's group on Facebook, it's all about losing weight. I was like, I don't care about losing weight. That's not my goal. My goal is to be a better runner. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't want, I mean, if I lose weight along the way, I'm not gonna be mad, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that's not my goal. And I feel like everything is geared towards that it's like the one trick pony oh if you want to be healthy it must be because you want to lose weight Mm -hmm. no that's not everybody's goal if that's your goal that's great but it's hard to find people who are of the mindset of I want to be healthy I want to be a better runner I want to feel my runs better Mm -hmm. um because everyone assumes that you're trying to lose weight Mm -hmm. no that's a good point um and and you're spot on most of my clients are weight loss clients Mm -hmm. I have a few clients though who they came to me and said look my goal isn't necessarily to change the number on the scale I'm looking for ways to make healthier life changes Mm -hmm. how do I know whether to pick this or that at the grocery store how do I know how to read a label how do I know um, how to build a shopping list Uh, make a healthy meal I want to eat this. My kid wants to eat that, but I'm not a short order cook. That's How hard. do I cook for a yes. family? That's definitely hard. So a lot of it, um, like I said, I've got a couple clients who it's more around building healthy habits, teaching mm-hmm. them to manage uh, stress in different ways, to build shopping lists or meal plans for a picky family or mm-hmm. for a family where you've got a runner involved, yeah. but you know, kids who want to eat mac and cheese and <laughs> maybe that doesn't work for mom yeah. who's a runner. So how do you find that balance? Yeah. And a lot of that is listening to the client and understanding them and then brainstorming different ideas. And a lot of times you'll throw ideas out there to a client like, yeah, but I don't like yogurt and I don't do dairy and my kid's not going to eat that. So it's okay. Well, let's go back to the drawing board again and let's try something else. Yeah, that definitely the whole trying to make everyone happy while still doing what you need to do for yourself is definitely hard. Mm. I mean, I will say my family's pretty open to me trying new recipes like but I have always given them the, the right to veto because I was like, I'm not going to spend the money or the time if every time I make it, you're like, oh, God, I hate this. Mm-hmm. But they eat it because it's the only thing. I'm, and I'm that person. I don't make multiple meals. Either mm-hmm. you eat what I've made or you can 
go make yourself a sandwich. Yep. <laughs> For sure. But I, in flip side, I do give them the right to say, hey, you know what? I really hated that. Don't ever make that again. Because I was like, it's not worth the money and it's not worth the, my effort that it took to make that. If every time I make it, you're like, oh, gross. Or they don't eat it and it ends up going to waste anyway. Yeah. But yeah, that's definitely something that I think is really valuable for any, particularly, I mean, I, hate to say, I know there are dads that deal with it too, but let's be honest, the majority of the time it is mom who does all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so having someone they can talk to to try to figure out that balance between doing what's right for them while they're trying to have the healthy lifestyle while still, you know, making sure the kids aren't starving mm-hmm. is pretty dang important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Starving kids are cranky kids. So nobody yes. wants that. Yes. I have, the, I have those sometimes. <laughs> My 12 year old has braces. And so anytime we get them tightened and stuff, mm-hmm. she goes to like a few days where she can, you know, not eat a whole lot or they put new wires in this last mm-hmm. time. And it was Super bad for like three days. And I was like, here's some soup and yogurt. That's all I can get. I ate a lot of cheesy mashed potatoes as a brace-faced child. Yes. So I'm I'm hoping. We're already like four months in. Well, I got 16. No, 14 months left because they said she should be done in 18 months. Nice. So I'm hoping. It was going to be longer than that, but she had a tooth on the bottom. They're like, okay, we could jack with all that. And it would take her 20 to 24 months. But if we pull it. And just let her teeth naturally realign. We can have her done in like 18 months. I was like, let's do that. Because mm-hmm. it was like way far behind. Anyway, it was a hot mess. Sounds like a training plan option. Yeah. We can do A or B. <laughs> just yank it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so do you have any other things that you think kind of are maybe, maybe not necessarily lies, but maybe misconceptions that people might have about kind of living a healthy lifestyle and kind of making that transition? Yeah, I mean, I think those are the biggest ones. Um, yeah, there's, I agree. there's not there's not a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be something that happens tomorrow. But if you want it bad enough, you can do it. Yeah, and it just it's just trial and error. It's yeah, it's definitely. research and kind of like a reconnaissance mission or an experiment. <laughs> you're gonna try things that that work, and you're gonna try things mm-hmm. that don't work. And if it doesn't work, figure out why and move yeah. on. So what are your thoughts on like, um, so I know you said a lot of your clients are weight loss clients and mm-hmm. that's just the journey they're on. What are your thoughts on like the scale? I mean, I know, for, I know for me personally, the scale kind of became an enemy. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of had to stop doing it, especially once that wasn't. So a little bit of my background after I had Chloe, which is my nine year old, she'll actually be 10 in like two weeks. Um, I weighed like 190. Mm-hmm. 185, 190. So just by the process of watch, fig, learning about nutrition, just like you said, and learning, oh crap, that's really bad for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and just moving and just a lot of different things. I've lost, I lost like, I think like 40 pounds or so. Um, and so plus I have a thyroid condition, which makes it really hard to do that. Um, but I got to a point where the scale became, I don't want to say the enemy because I know in some people's journey, it's necessary, but it came to the point where it became, um, it made me cry. Yeah. And it was at the point where I, it wasn't, I felt like it wasn't being beneficial to my journey anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are your thoughts on the scale? Are you one of those people that says there are times where you should weigh every day? You should only weigh once a week, once a month, kind of what is your, I mean, you can talk about your personal relationship with the scale or more from like a, how do you teach your clients about having a positive relationship with that scale? Yeah. Uh, so the answer is going to be one that I give a lot and it's, it depends. Okay. Um, it depends on how you feel about the scale and how you feel about the number. Mm -hmm. It's just a tool. 
and it's just a data point. And if that tool and that data point are things that help you, great, rock on, let's use them. If that tool and that data point are things that don't help you, yep. there are others that we can use. Maybe it's progress pictures, or maybe it's measuring, or maybe it's none of that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, how do you feel today? Are you in a good place? How much energy do you have? Yeah. Were you able to go for that walk with your kids? If you are able to meet the goals that you have set out, that's all that's important. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's about uh, outcome-based. What do you want to get to, mm-hmm. and how do we get you there? And I love that because I think, too, like I said, you know, especially with like any kind of app, like my Fitness Pal, all those kind of things, it all comes down to the number on the scale. And I actually used, that's what I, when I lost the weight, I used my fitness pal and mm-hmm. that's how I logged it. And, um, but after a while it got to the point where like, I felt like I was, I was paying for my food by exercising because the way they do it, it's like, here's your calories, um, minus what you've eaten plus your, uh, your exercise. So this is the calories you have left. And at the end of every day, they're like, well, if every day is like today in five weeks, you should weigh dot, 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 dot. Mm-hmm. And in five weeks, you're, you know, you might've hit that. You might not. And you're like, well, was I a failure? Was I not, you know, is the number that important? And it kind of became just this huge numbers game mm-hmm. that was no longer suiting my needs and Mm -hmm. kind of it was messing with my brain a little bit for sure and so I love that you're like no there's other things we can look at because I think we as a society and as women have this mentality that it's all about weight Mm. and I'm like in my 150 155 on a 510 frame it's completely different from someone who's you know six foot or five five or whatever so Mm -hmm. in some ways I think the number is important to the journey but in after a while I think it becomes less about that Mm-hmm. And more about, like you said, okay, are you able to, you know, can you run that extra two minutes? Can you make that extra block around with your kids? You know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And having goals that are not weight related, mm-hmm. I think is so important. Absolutely. Some of the things that I look at with clients, because a lot of them come in and they say, I, I want to lose 10 pounds. Awesome. <laughs> Tell me why. And we start digging into that. What do you want to mm-hmm. do when you're there? So let's break those goals yeah. down. Well, what if you know you were able to do this and that number was six pounds or seven pounds down? Are are you still happy? Mm-hmm. Um, so in any in any relationship, I think it's about setting expectations. Mm-hmm. One of the things that my fitness pal doesn't offer is answers to all of your questions. <laughs> Yes. Um, answers to your specific questions yeah. and to your unique needs. Your body's different mm-hmm. from every person that yeah. they use to put that app together. It's going to base everything off of an algorithm and it's basing everything off of, you know, do you fit the norm? Are mm-hmm. you the average female with the average body fat percentage and the average muscle percentage? And yeah. you know what? Maybe you're not. Maybe you don't fit that mold and that's okay. Yeah. But um, it's a great tool. It's just not tailored to a specific individual. It's tailored to um, the masses. Yeah, to, 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 exactly. <laughs> so your um, tagline, I absolutely love. It's called, it's uh, uniquely uncomplicated, ultimately unstoppable, mm-hmm. which I love. It makes me super happy. I almost want to get it tattooed. <laughs> um, so why did you pick that phrase and kind of what does it mean to you? Yeah, um, so I kind of did a play off of the four you. Obviously, there are four you's in my tagline. <gasps> I did not even catch that. Yes. 
Um, it's a little bit of a play on words. Uh, so if you spell it out, you know, F-O-R-Y-O-U, in my mind, this journey is, it's, it is for you. It's about you and what mm-hmm. works for you. It's not about me. It's about you and where you want to go. And then with that, I wanted to simplify the name and I did the number four and the letter U okay. and started thinking through, okay, well, what are, what are things that start with you? And that's where we landed on um, the uniquely uncomplicated, ultimately unstoppable. I think in one of your previous questions, I had said that you know, to me, one of the things that just really irks me about um, society's view on nutrition is they make it appear so hard and yeah. so complex. You have to know every macro, every this. Mm-hmm. You have to know what the heck a macro is. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Stupid macros. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't have to be hard. Mm-hmm. And it is very unique to the individual. And I think that once you nail that, you, you can be unstoppable. Yeah, that's, so that's great. That's kind of where we landed on, on Yeah, that. I love that. And I totally didn't even notice that they all started with the U. So that's even that's even awesome. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, there, there are four U's in the tagline. I was like, oh, someone was real smart on that one. Um, so kind of rounding out kind of your idea of nutrition, what are kind of maybe three of what you would consider kind of your best nutrition tips? And we might have already discussed them, but it never hurts to reiterate things. Um, so if you were like meeting with someone who said, hey, you know, what are the three best things I could do to jumpstart kind mm-hmm. of my new healthy lifestyle? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give you four. Okay. I like that. Because uh, it's for you, right? Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Um, be open-minded. Okay. That's um, good. Just because you did it in the past doesn't mean that you need to do it in the future and vice versa. Um, be patient. It's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. Eat what you like. If you don't like tofu and kale, don't eat it. And I think that's huge because a lot of times we're pigeonholed into these are the diet foods and diet's a four-letter word anyway that I don't like, mm-hmm. but <laughs> yeah, it's not about deprivation. It's, you know, what, what can I add? And are these things that I enjoy? Mm-hmm. It, food needs to make you happy, um, in a healthy way. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I um, mean, we like wine. It makes us happy, but it it's does. a sometimes food. <laughs> it does. Yes. Um, and be consistent. Um, keep doing it over and over. It's going to be hard to see results and really be able to document what does and doesn't work if you're not consistent. Mm-hmm. But in that consistency, it's progress. It's not perfection. Yes. You can achieve your goals without being a nutritional robot. Yes. And I think we see that sometimes, particularly like those Facebook groups that are all about like, I hit all of my macros five days in a week, mm-hmm. but then I ate a cake and I've just ruined everything. No, you didn't, <laughs> but okay. If that's what works for some people, some people are very data driven and they um, find comfort in knowing the numbers awesome. Let's do macros. Let's count calories. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't work for you and that stresses you out, we can get there yes, that in stresses a completely me out. different way. I'm that person. It does stress me out. Just making sure this is still going. Yes. I so I think I gave you four. Yeah, you're, you did. Okay, good. <laughs> Cause it's for you. Um, so, um, so aside from nutrition counseling, and it sounds maybe even a little bit of like old school good counseling, like what's your why? Which I always think is super important to do. I have an entire video on it um, about why I started running and why I'm doing this hundred. Um, mm-hmm. And so what other kind of services does for you offer? Yeah, um, so like I said, most of my clients are weight loss clients. Okay. Um, I do have some clients who it's more around a healthy lifestyle in general. Uh, I have two packages right now. I have a 12-week package and a 24-week package that are ultimately custom-tailored to the client. Okay. Um, weight loss, healthy options, life skills, 
Um, those are probably the main ones. And kind of what, like if I said, okay, 12 week package, what does that entail? Is it recipes? Is it one-on-one -on -one meetings? Like kind of what, like if I was a new client, what would we do? Yeah. Great question. Uh, so what I have my clients start with, uh, is I have an intake form, takes them about 30 minutes to fill out. And it has a lot of very detailed questions that kind of give me a starting point around what are you looking to do? What have you tried before? What works? What doesn't work? Tell me just a little bit about you and who you are and yeah. where you'd like to go. What are your expectations of me and what are your expectations of yourself? Super from, important. Very important, I think, for, for me to know and for you to know of yourself. Mm -hmm. From there, we start breaking down what goals are most important to you. Um, if you come to me and say that I want to do five different things, we generally find out what's the most important and we yeah. start prioritizing. Because I think there is sometimes a hierarchy, even if you don't realize there is. Mm -hmm. Like if, if you were only able to do one thing, mm -hmm. you know, the first thing that pops in your mind is the most important. Mm -hmm. So typically my clients, the number one thing for them a lot of times is weight loss. Mm -hmm. It isn't always, but we can use that as an example. And then we'll put in a secondary and uh, sometimes a third goal. And we start working towards those. We focus once a week uh, for about 30 minutes, uh, the 12 and the 24 week package have a 30 minute one-on-one um, -on -one coach to client session that the client can use as they want. Uh, for those that are local, a lot of times we meet in person. Sometimes even the local clients, I will do FaceTime or we'll do phone. Yeah. Um, sometimes they say, hey, I'm so busy this week, can we just do it via email? Um, I try to be as flexible as I can while still kind of sticking to general <laughs> <Yes>. working hours. <laughs> Um, to still having a life mm -hmm. and the whole goal of doing this was to have more flexibility. Yep. <laughs> so we set out what their goals are. I typically give them one to two things to work on every week. And every time they knock that out of the park, we add something else. So, um, that's kind of the way that it works. They get unlimited email and tech support. I have a lot of clients who will text me and go, Oh my gosh, you don't know how to calculate the calories for this. Or <laughs> I had a client text me this morning that says, I met my calorie goal for the day but I feel like a fat lard. <laughs> um, and one of the things that we talked about, this particular client has been meeting a lot of their calorie goals uh, with liquid calories. I said, did you meet mm -hmm. those goals through food? Mm -hmm. I did. That's great. Yep. Your tummy probably feels a little fuller. So yeah. there's just a lot of conversation back and forth. It's someone yeah. that's always there to... And that's definitely a teachable moment. Something as small as the difference between liquid like smoothie calories and whole food calories, yep. like real calories. It can make your tummy feel a little different for sure. The puppy woke up. He might bark. She might bark here in a minute. <laughs> she did. She's chewing on her bone. Mm -hmm. She's a good girl. So um, where can they find you yeah. if they want to um, learn more about either one of those programs? Mm -hmm. So they can go to my website. It's okay. uh, www.thenumber4healthandnutrition.com. Okay. okay. Uh, I also have a Facebook page right now, also for you, Health and Nutrition. <laughs> Um, and being new to the entrepreneur community, having come from corporate where there's teams that do everything for you. <laughs> yes. Um, I have an Instagram page, but I haven't posted a lot of content yet. I'm trying to master one platform <laughs> Baby before steps. I try and go all out. Your main goal for this week is exactly. to post on your Facebook. Well played. Well played. Yes. One thing Next week time. we'll discuss it and we'll move on Instagram. <laughs> well played. <laughs> yes. And it is hard keeping track of those and, you know, there's different rules for, you know, When's the best time to post here? When's the best time to post here? <coughs> and as soon as you figure out, they change it anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> She's like, Mama, you got water. All right, so final five. So I've decided when I started this podcast, I wanted to do like just something fun to end it on where I'm going to ask every person the same five questions at the end of every podcast. Okay. 
just because I think it's fun and I think it'd be interesting to see kind of how everybody answers differently. Okay. Um, okay. So number one of the final five, what book can you not live without? So I thought through that one and my first immediate obvious answer was the Bible. So I thought the same thing. And I'm, I'm like, okay, like, I can't lie. <laughs> we're in Arkansas. We're all going to give this answer. So my non-obvious answer, um, again, it will be, it depends, you know, what yes. mood am I in? But right now it's probably one of the run fast, eat slow cookbooks. Okay. I'm constantly going to that, tweaking recipes, mm-hmm. finding ideas. Um, so that would be the one for right now. Are you like me? Do you sometimes like sit in bed at night and just like flip through it and maybe put little post-it notes of this is a good one. I want to try this one or Oh girlfriend. No, <laughs> no. If it's nighttime and I'm in bed, I'm sound asleep. <laughs> I cannot stay up much past eight o'clock these days. That's funny. I was in bed and asleep by like nine 15 last night and it was glorious. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No, if I'm in bed, my eyes are closed. She's like, no, no books for me. Mm-mm. honey. There's not, that's not what's on my nightstand. No. Okay. So on your saddest day, what song makes everything right? The question itself made me sad because I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to go back to my sad, sad memory. I was thinking, what song came on when you were at that really low point in your, like in your hundred miler? Do you remember what it was? Oh, whatever it was, I probably turned it off. Uh, <laughs> uh, there came a point where we just stopped listening to music. <laughs> um, when I'm sad, I typically just go to silence. See you. And sometimes and the dog. And that works for some people. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't come up with a song I think I just want it to be really quiet when I'm sad I want to bathe in my own tears and misery (laughs) and some people can't in their sadness can't do silence because it almost makes the sadness worse yeah but are you one of those people like when it's silent it actually helps you process maybe Mm -hmm. okay that makes sense I can I can honestly think through my thoughts that sounds redundant and weird but I can kind of organize them maybe a little bit yeah that makes sense yeah absolutely um, okay, so this one I thought was funny. I found it on a website and I loved it. It says, okay, so you're a new addition to the crayon box. Mm. What color would you be and why? So I'm going to be the weirdo that doesn't <laughs> answer your questions directly. Um, I don't want to be a color. Okay. I want to be the sharpener on the back of the box. <gasps> That's so good. Do you remember those big Crayola boxes? Yeah, like where the you 64 the... and it has mm-hmm. the one on the back. I always feel that I can color better when I have a sharp point on my crayon. Mm-hmm. So I want to be the sharpener. I love that though. Well, and here's the thing too, that maybe you didn't realize by being the sharpener, you're also helping other people. I'm helping all the crayons. You're helping all the crayons. I am every crayon. You're helping all the crayons be their best. I love that. That's fantastic. There we go. Okay. What's the last gift you gave to someone? Uh, I gave birthday money to my 15 year old nephew. (laughs) 15 year olds like cash. (laughs) Yes, he does. He uh, has his own bank account and typically he asks for cash. He wants to save. So Aww, I think that's pretty good 15-year-old. Cool. Is he saving for something specific or just saving in general? I think he's just saving in general. Probably depends on his mood. Yeah. He's like, maybe it's a car. Maybe it's a video game. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. So what is your go-to kind of inspirational quote, scripture, mantra, any of that, whatever you want to call it? What's your go-to? So other than don't become a podcast. <laughs> Which I love. Um, so when I was in Hong Kong, I started a blog and I was looking for a quote for the blog. And it says that it so was... So flip back, why were you in Hong Kong? Was, uh, that, was that a work thing? My husband was a, um, an expat. Uh, he was the CIO for Walmart Asia okay. for a few years. So okay, we moved gotcha. over there for about two and a half years. Oh, fun. Okay. Proceed. Yeah. That's cool. So I was over there and I was having a hard time because I didn't have a lot to do. So mm-hmm. I uh, started blogging and I found a quote that said, it's not who you are that holds you back. It's who you think you're not. 
Ooh, that'll and preach. I really, I, I really liked it because it, it, to me, it was don't focus on the things you don't have. Don't focus on the negative. Don't let this perception of I don't think I am or I don't think I can be mm-hmm. hold you back. What do you have to offer? What can you give to others? Yeah. And focus on that. And I think that's important for running, too, as my puppy starts to go spastic. <laughs> you know, focus on the positive. Don't complain. Yeah. Every step forward is a step in the right direction. Yeah. So I think especially dealing with, like, a lot of, like, people who consider themselves slow runners, it's constantly like, I know I'm so slow. I know I'm this. I know I'm that. But it was like, but you still went out and did it. Who cares if it was – I mean, I'm – what people would probably consider a slow runner, but I was like, but it doesn't change the fact that I ran 20 miles on the trails last week. It still got done, Mm -hmm. maybe longer than other people. Yeah, what you can do and did do is so much more important than what you think you can't do or what you didn't get done today. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's so good, so good. So thank you so much for being my first podcast guest, and you did become a podcast, just not the scary (laughs) true crimes one. That's awesome. So, um, again, you can find more information about For You Health health and Nutrition. Am I saying that right? You are. Um, online and on Facebook. And thank you so much for sharing your story of just getting up and trying again, even when it's scary and all that kind of stuff, and about just great information on nutrition, which I think is whether you're a runner or whether you're just, a, I don't want to say normal person, but you know what I mean, whether you're a normal person, but I think it's just really important just to focus on living a healthy life and that, you know, your life is better if you're healthier, your family's better, your friendships are better and all that kind of stuff. So thank you guys so much for stopping in and listening. And we look forward to hearing some comments about what you thought about today. And we will talk to you again soon on the Create This Life podcast. Hey listeners, I just wanted to give you a quick update on Mandy. She did finish the Rocky Raccoon 100. We are so proud of her. Her time was 25 hours and 49 minutes. We're so proud that she finally got her revenge on the Trash Panda. So if you see her in town or you know her in real life or you see her on social media, make sure you give her a big congratulations because we are so proud of you, Mandy. Congratulations on finishing your race.